closer I got to the uh, the path that I was going to use, I started this really foul odor. this roar come out of the woods and it just I froze pulled out my Glock 45 which was my duty weapon and I just sat in my truck thinking as I stated what the hell just happened here Hey guys, it's Todd from Cryptid Creatures. Have you ever thought about making your own podcast? If so, you got to use Anchor. That's A-N-C-H-O-R. The cool thing about Anchor is it's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. They'll distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on multiple platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money on your podcast. The more people that listen, the more money you can make. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Welcome back to the Cryptid Creatures Podcast. I'm Brian. I'm Todd. What's up, Brian? Not much, man. Got a good show coming up again this time. Yeah, I'm excited. This sounds like a good one. What do we got going on? We got an Indiana encounter Yep. with a police officer. And not a southern Indiana encounter either. Kind of a yep. middle Indiana encounter. Fairly close to us. Yeah. It? Yeah. A little farther north than I would expect. Being from where we're at, uh, we would never expect an encounter in that area. No. But I no. totally believe Dwayne when we talked to him about this encounter. Absolutely. Yeah. He uh, he, he sounded like. And he was a police credible. officer. Sounded like a real. Yeah. And he was a. He is a retired police officer. Waited till he retired to tell his story, and we're glad we brought him on yeah. and bring him on here tonight. And Absolutely. It's a great story, show. too. Yep. All right. Let's get him on here. You ready to go? Yeah, I'm ready. Bring him on. All right. Here we go. Dwayne, welcome to the show. Thanks for coming on, man. Thanks for having me, gentlemen. Yeah, we're happy you're here, man. We appreciate it a lot. It means a lot to us. Heck yeah. Dwayne, um, you, you hail from uh, Indiana. Yes, sir. I was born and raised there. Okay. And that's where this incident encounter took place. Right on. Me too. It took place in uh, the upper portion of DeKalb County on the west side. Gotcha. Yeah. Brian and I are from Indiana. Well, Brian, you're a little farther north. Brian uh, Ridge from Michigan. Right? He's yeah. a Michigan guy. Yeah. But I'm from a Indiana. Farther north, yeah. yeah. So right. we love to hear about Indiana encounters because they're kind of sparse and scarce, really, um, unless you get down past Indianapolis and get into Brown County. But um, tell us about. You know, Brian, what you thought about Bigfoot, Sasquatch growing up, and and did you have any thought about it? Did you ever think anything, you know, and then kind of walk us uh, into, you know, the day of the incident, what happened, and, you know, take your time with it and just just have fun with it and tell your story. Well, years ago, I believe it was in 1964 or 65 in Grant County, which is Marion, Indiana, uh, a woman supposedly had an encounter there along the Wabash River. Okay. Now, my aunt and uncle, they worked at RCA, which is in Marion, and they always grabbed a Marion paper, and they showed a very large Bigfoot print, and it was in a, an area along the Wabash River. So being nine years old, I really didn't think a whole lot about it then. 
And then, you know, in 1967, you have the Patty film with uh, in Northern California. So that really kind of made me a believer. But at the same time, you never really thought about them being in Indiana. So it really didn't seem too much to get into exploring the facts about them then. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, mm-hmm. The lady, you said she was, did you say she was on horseback? Uh, no, uh, she was just walking along the Wabash River with her oh, okay. doll. She, I believe she had a German shepherd, if I remember correctly. Okay. I read the article or had it read to me. And again, it was in Marion, Indiana, and it was along the Wabash River. And I believe it was in the fall type of season when it did take place. And again, this lady just said she seen it. It looked at her and, and took off as fast as she seen it. Uh, but they did have one footprint of it that they put in the paper. Did she describe it at all in the story? Did you remember reading about what she said she saw? Just big it's hairy. Been so long, it's been so long, gentlemen. It just said it scared the crap out of her and her dog. That's about the only thing I do remember out of mm-hmm. the story. Yeah, that'll do it. That's it. <laughs> so then, like you said, you saw the Patterson film. What were your thoughts at that point? Did you think these things could exist? Very much so, due to the fact that uh, you watched the film – no human being could really recreate the step and the movement that this creature was making at that time. And also the same fact that, you know, when you talk about this film, how many people have tried to say that it wasn't real, that it was a person in a suit. And there's been a lot of people in the artistry industry that said there was not the technology back then in order to create this kind of a suit for somebody to be able to use and try to fake this film. So, yeah, I, I truly believe that, you know, they got very lucky and, and uh, you know, she was probably foraging or doing something and they caught her off guard as well as she caught them off guard. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So after that, you know, you, you said you got into hunting. You were This is what this incident happened. Um, but you're also, for your career, you're a police officer for quite some time, were you not? That's correct. I was a police officer for probably four and a half years prior to the incident, and I had started hunting this area of the woods about the same time I had become a police officer. So uh, I've hunted since I was 10 years old uh, in Indiana around Montpelier. You know, I lived right in the corner of the city, so I had a creek to play along. I had a pond to play in and a river to run along and, and so we, the guys up there, we didn't play on the playground much. We was in the creek, playing in the creek, trapping and fishing, and and uh, we were outdoors. We we didn't play indoors like the kids do these days. Right. Yeah. Me too. I played outside all as much as I could. Exactly. I get you. Um. All right. So then, you're hunting out there, and the, the day what what happened? I mean, it's just another day. You're out hunting, and what happened? Well, it was. It was uh, it was. It happened Thanksgiving morning, 1994, as I had stated in the story that I put on Bigfoot Believers. It was my first holiday off as a police officer, and I had, had made plans to do the hunt in the morning. And then in the afternoon, take off, and we were going to go up to our family in, uh, up around Angola. So mm-hmm. I, I get up. I'm around 4.30. I'm getting ready to get dressed. And I park my truck. And it's 5.15, and it's pitch black, okay? And this is in November, and it's, it's been a, a light winter. It's no snow, just cold weather, probably 45 degrees out that day. 
Hmm. And that's pretty warm back, for Thanksgiving in Indiana, actually. Very yeah, much so. Very much so. And, well, you know, everybody in Indiana back then during gun season, they're always praying for snow so you can get on the ground and track them. Right. But I'm walking back the lane. The lane is used both by the electric company because there's a power line going down through there and also the farmer to get back into his uh, fields. And it's about a half mile hike. So I get back to the woods and, and as stated in the story, the woods isn't really big, more about three and a half acres, but it's surrounded by uh, fields and it butts up to a very large woods to the north of it, which is probably a good 12, 13 acre woods. Mm -hmm. And on the west side of it was a picked cornfield, you know, with checking the currents, wind currents and everything with them coming out of the southwest. I decided to hunt the west side because there was a lot of tracks in that. And it's usually a good chance of seeing a deer coming out of that corner. But to get to it, I decided to walk through from the east side of the woods. And on the east side, there's probably maybe a half acre field that the farmer had put corn in at that time this, this year. And I'm just, I'm, you know, just casually walking back again. It's had, pitch black. Had you ever, do you, had you ever gone through that way before? Oh, several times. Okay. I knew that woods and area like the back of my hand. Like, so I'd hunted it for about four, four years prior to that. Depending so, on the, okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the closer I got to the, uh, the path that I was going to use, I started this really foul odor. I mean, it's, it's really hard to describe. And the closer I got to the entrance, which is uh, probably 15 yards from the north or the south edge of the north woods I was telling you about. It just, I started gagging. It was like if you uh, ever walk into a room that's been ammonia filled mm -hmm. and the gagging oh, reflex yeah. you get from that, right. only it was much stronger. So I stopped and my eyes were watering. I backed up. I was spitting. And, wow. was, you know, it just it was so degrading. I thought, man, there's got to be a dead body close by. Is it a deer? It could even be a human. Mm -hmm. I didn't know. But as I was standing there trying to wipe the snot out of my nose and everything, I started hearing this really low growl, very baritone. And it was coming from the north of me. And I started looking, and you couldn't see anything. Again, it's pitch black. I don't have a flashlight. I never carried a flashlight due to the fact I knew the woods well enough that I could walk in at day, night, whatever. And so I just stood there watching. I'm thinking, oh, maybe that's a big buck. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I got to thinking, bucks don't smell like that. They put out a musk odor when they're in rut. So, you know, I was confused, to be honest with you guys. I was just confused as to what I was smelling, what I was hearing. And then being as close to Michigan as what we are, but as a crow flies, it's only about 40 miles. I was thinking, well, maybe a bear possibly had wandered down out of Michigan. Mm -hmm. Due to the fact that, you know, it was a mild winter, and they, you know, were my ex-in-laws used to live up there on Lake Pleasant on the north side of the toll road. Bears were seen to come down out of Michigan and around the lake. Okay. Well, I, I just thought it was a possibility it could have been a bear. Yeah. But, you know, so I, well, yeah, I still What there. else is it going to be in Indiana, you mm -hmm. know? It, yeah, it shouldn't exactly. even be a bear. I mean, yeah. I, I can imagine what you were thinking. Like, what is this smell associated with this thing? Or did it's, it kill something and it's they're eating? Right. I, what's going on here? Yeah. 
Exactly. I, you know, confusion was, you know, people say, well, weren't you scared? And I know it was more confusion than anything because right. I never smelled something like that. I never heard the low growl like that. And so thinking again, that it was a bear, I hollered, get the hell out of here, bear. And as soon as I did, man, this roar come out of the woods and it just, I froze and it was just reverbing in my chest. I'd never heard anything like that. It was loud and probably 30 seconds long. And it just, then I was scared. Was it like I, a, a roar, a scream? It uh, was, it was a roar and it just very baritone. Again, this was a, a very baritone sound that I was hearing and just never heard anything like this before ever in my life being, you know, as much as I'd been outside in the woods and everything. So at that point in time, I put a round in my shotgun. I had a 12 gauge Mossberg slug gun. It was slug season. And I hollered again, get the hell out of here. And that's when uh, again, it roared. And two trees started shaking. And those trees were about 10 foot apart, okay? Okay. Wow. Wow. And you, they're, 40, they're at least 40 foot tall. 10 feet apart. And you could see them shaking, and you could hear the trees and uh, rattling the limbs and everything. That's a big win. And that's when I, you know, again, <laughs> uh, you didn't know what the heck was going on. And that's when I fired off the round to the left of me and into the ground, and I hollered, get the hell out of here again. So you shot your shotgun. I did. I was, I, you know, if it was a bear, you know, they say if you run from a bear, it's going to charge you. Mm -hmm. Right. And it, you look like prey. Yep. So it got, after, after cracking off the round and, and putting another round in and then facing the woods where it was, it got really deaf silent. I mean, you didn't hear anything. No birds, nothing. Wow. And then all of a sudden, snap. I, I hear this tree snap. Few seconds later, you could feel it walking off. I mean, it wasn't ground shaking like an earthquake or anything, but you could just feel the thump, thump, thump. Maybe five or six steps, and then that was it. Total silent. How and far? Was, I'm sorry. Okay, go ahead. How far away do you think you were physically from what this was? Fifteen yards at the most. Oh my goodness! And I figured it was probably about ten foot inside the tree line because I couldn't see it. I when he let when he let out that growl, um, a lot of people say when they when they hear the growl, they can feel it in their chest. Did you did could you feel it when you when he growled? No, I didn't feel the growl so much as just how, how the only thing that really came out of that with me on the growl was how baritone it was, very low voice, okay, and long. I mean, there was no hardly any change in the, in the pattern of it, just just a low growl. And very baritone. Now, I didn't feel that. No. Okay. So what'd you do after you heard it? What you just listened as it walked away further from you into the woods, or I started backtracking out of there. I didn't. I didn't turn my back to the woods until I was probably halfway back to the lane going to my truck, okay. and just kept watching it and just slowly backing up. Got to the lane, and I started heading towards my truck. Now, when you go down this lane. As I had described in uh, the story that I put on Bigfoot Believers, there's high embankments on both sides of it when you get closer to the road. On the north side of that embankment is a wooded tree line. 
probably uh, 100 yards long is the same as the embankment and plus probably 15, 20 foot wide. So anything could hide in there. On the south side of it is just an open field that runs right alongside the railroad track. So I got up on the south side and was watching the north side plus my behind me until I got to the truck. Once I got there, I found a little bit relieved. I unlocked my truck, threw my seat forward, unlocked my gun box that I have in the back end of my uh, seat, and pulled out my Glock 45, which was my duty weapon, and I just sat in my truck thinking, as I stated, what the hell just happened here? <laughs> yeah, right. You know, you got so many things are just going through your head. What was it? You know, and where did it come from? Where did it go? Did you ever think Bigfoot? At one time, I did. But at the same time, never hearing any stories about them being in that area, it was just something that, yeah, I thought about it. But I didn't really think too much more until I went back and started trying to do a little bit of investigation. Because once it got daylight, I did go back. Okay. Being a cop, I was curious as a cat, I guess. Of course, yeah. So what did you see then? Anything or? Well, as I walked back, I I had taken my binoculars with me and I started just watching the area from the lane. I was looking to see if the possibility it had come back, standing in the same area. Uh, I wouldn't have smelled anything because the wind currents were still going to the northeast. And so I just not seeing anything. I walked up to the woods, taking cautions as I, I did watching to the left of me, to the right. And then I entered to woods, and as soon as I did, I heard a, a, a gunshot going off. So I knew that there was hunters in the north of the woods, in the big one. And I felt a little bit more at ease. So I started looking around, and that's when I seen the tree that had been snapped off. Oh, okay. I'm six, wow. foot, I'm six foot one. And this was I was looking right at the break, and the tree had been pushed pointing due east. So when I looked to see if that was maybe the one tree and the other one was beside it, I looked and you just see an area where something, the grass was trampled down and the leaves, but there was no visible prints at that time to indicate that a possibility of being a Bigfoot. And you saw that that was a fresh break, right? yeah, Yeah, it was a fresh break. I mean, you could smell the sap. It so, was an ash tree. Wow. Who walks around the woods in Indiana snapping? How big around was it? I would guess to be at least six inches. Six inch diameter trees, <laughs> six foot one. Who's, who's first of all? Who's that tall? Yeah, who's that? And strong? why are they doing that? Strong. That strong. And why? And why? <laughs> right. Yeah, my thought was it had to be one strong yeah. sob to snap that. But as yeah. I started going north again, being. Uh, November, the leaves had come off the trees, and we were looking at oak trees, ash, and walnut trees. So, you know, you got a lot of leaf coverage on the ground. Mm-hmm. But in one portion, when I was walking north, there is a small area where it was clear and had been wet from the rains of the night before, or a couple nights before. And that's when I seen the first print, and it was of that of a left foot, of a barefoot print, not not. Not a boot or a shoe, but a bare foot. And I looked at it, and that's when I began to truly believe that I probably had spooked a Bigfoot. 
And when I put my boot beside it, it was a good seven inches longer than my boot. And I wear a size 11. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's... And then uh, probably, I'm going to guess at least uh, five, six yards on further north, I seen the right track. And again, just barely making out the footprint, but you could see it was wider than my boot. You could see it had five toes, the big toe on right down to the little one. And it continued north, but I lost lost the track. Plus, I was starting to get into the woods where I didn't have permission to be. Mm. So I backtracked and just got out of there and uh, went to my truck. Well, you could have just home. said, you know, I'm a police officer. It's okay. I'm just looking. For yeah, this. true. Well, yeah. <laughs> I'm in an investigation. No, yeah, I had permission to go into this woods. It was owned by a lumber company, okay? The uh, gentleman who owned it had passed away some years before. Interesting. And the family sold it to a lumber company. That was owned and by a lumber I had company. Paid. Because right. there's not a lot of people messing around in those woods, if that's the case, I'm guessing. That's it's, no, those no, are pretty they, desolate they're, woods. They're, uh, their employees had permission to hunt it. Oh, okay. And I only had permission to go on it if I was tracking a wounded deer myself. Uh, that was the only time I really had permission. So that's why I backed out. And plus knowing that there was somebody in there that morning who had just shot, I didn't want to, you know, further spook maybe any chance of them having a deer or even coming across and have to say, well, what are you doing in here? Well, I think I'm tracking something. What would you tell them? <laughs> right. What would you tell them that you were tracking? Right. Yeah, right. Exactly. That would be, uh, yeah. yeah. So this was, did you say this was, you had been hunting there for four years before this happened or? Prior to that, yes. I'd hunted four years. Um, myself and two other friends, we hunted groundhogs, we hunted squirrel, we hunted rabbits, coyotes, uh, crow. Mainly the, how I got on the Deuce Farm was that a gentleman's son was on my baseball team when I coached Little League. Okay. He had a big party for us after the season was over. And, of course, you know, I'm looking all around, and I see all these deer tracks, and I'm thinking, hey, you know, anybody hunt? And he said, yeah. Well, you know, farmers, one of the big things they have in Indiana the problem with is groundhogs eating beans, corn. So we helped thin out the, the groundhog population, and I knew every inch of that area because I'd been, you know, like I said, we had it tracked out to where, you know, we knew the yardages of the fields and the shots that we'd be taking if we did. So I knew the area very well. Uh, you guys, Todd, you're probably familiar with CSX Railroad? Yes. Okay, it runs through Garrett. Yep. Okay. The track was probably not more than about 400 yards from this woods. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, having that right there and everything, you I, along the embankments there, there was always groundhogs to hunt. But, yeah, I knew the area very well and hunted it for, like I said, probably four years. And nothing ever before that time, anything weird or strange that did kind of made you think back and go, you know what? I wonder if that's what, you know, nothing like that ever happened. No incident at all until that, until that point then. No, sir. Nothing. Okay. What well, made it so weird too, because uh, all the times I've been hunting, nothing. It just was a great area to be out in. Yeah. I don't think what you encountered probably wasn't his home. Maybe he was passing through. I don't know. Uh, Could be. Hard to say. 
I agree with you on the possibility of his passing through. Now, another theory of mine is, too, after, like I said, once I uh, got home and, and got over all this, I started looking for any evidence I could on him. 1994, again, is not that much of a subject as talked about. And not too many people are saying if they did see him, what they did or didn't see, okay? Mm. I believe in down deep now that I possibly spooked it up from a hunting spot. You know, deer are going to be there. They got to eat. I think it could have yeah. very well been hunting. Okay, yeah. Could have been. yeah. I think I spooked it. And it probably got, you know, upset with me coming into its territory that it was hunting and thinking, hey, just get the hell out of here, buddy. This is my spot. I mean, for all you know, it could have been around in a long time and watched you prior. You never saw or heard or anything, you know. That's um, true. That morning, Very yeah, true. you probably were about ready to walk right up on top of it. And <laughs> it's like, hey. <laughs> It finally yeah, decided okay. to let me know it was there. I, that just very good point, Todd. It could have very well been there a, a few days, a week, who knows? And uh, but I, anything strange happening prior to that morning? No, never did. And uh, in, in further reading on them and everything too, uh, the one lady you had on with the swimming Sasquatch that was a good that was a good cast. Thank you. And she she yeah, made mention about the the one juvenile she thought that had set up in the tree and was watching her. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, I never thought about looking up that morning and looking into the trees to see if maybe it had climbed a tree and got out of sight that way. Oh yeah. You yeah, know, so when I heard her say that, it's like, wow, maybe it had you know climbed a tree and it might have been watching me possibly as I was trying to find out what it was. You know, also, I just looked at the map. Um, not that far from Ohio over there. Exactly. Probably 30 miles, maybe. And they got to what to call the so, grass man over there. Yeah, so there's a possibility they could be going back and forth there. Is that is that close to Defiance, Brian? Is Defiance? Yeah. Okay, is. I've heard of I've heard of sightings in Defiance. Maybe this guy yeah. was coming across Probably the state line so. to check out some new hunting grounds or something on you and... That's very right. good possibility. Now, here's Could another be, thing, yeah. too. Uh, do you guys know Steve Isadol from British Columbia? I might have read his name somewhere one, one time, but I don't know. Okay. If you look on YouTube, he does a lot of videos, okay? And he is very much into the Bigfoot movement, helping people who have had encounters and trying to, you know uh, – reassure them that it's okay to go back out into the woods. Now, he had a gentleman that posted a story on his videos December 17th of 2020. And it also happened in Northeast Indiana. Okay. The guy went by his first name, Jason. Wow. Yeah, so, you know, this is in 2020 in December. And that's what I, I wrote my story then to Steve saying, if you have Jason's email address, tell him I believe every word he said, because in Northeast Indiana, he had to be close around to where I was at that time, maybe up in the Angola area or, you know, which Stu Bend County has Pigeon River Reserve. Uh, that's a big area. A lot of swamps up there. I've hunted that. But you're right about defiance. That's not that far away, and they have what they call the grass man over there. Right. I've read stories and seen pictures of the huts that they make. Brian, yeah. we need to get on the BFRO 
for Indiana and Ohio and see what kind of sightings they've, if they've, anyone's reported any sightings in uh, that kind of circular area that crosses both the state line, the state line in both states yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah. We can definitely and look at the forestry there. See if there's any cave systems there by chance as well. So uh, there could be in that area. Uh, we'll double check though. Dwayne, did you, did you go back hunting after that day? Oh, I know you went. I know you went back in the woods the next when it got light. But did you continue to hunt after that? Well, uh, by all means, yes. But I never went back there without a loaded forty-four Magnum on my side. Okay, right. That's uh, you know we hear that from everybody. Um, I used to yeah. go in the woods with no guns, but then after that happened, I was never going back in there unarmed again. So, exactly. Oh. You know, um, one of the main things I really like to do in that woods was squirrel hunting because I like squirrel meat. It's very tasty when it's cooked right. Okay. But going in there with a 22 rifle and coming up against something like that, it'd be like yeah, shooting a bee shooter at it. You know, <laughs> yeah, so you're not doing you'd, much for that. No, you'd probably just maybe piss it off even more. So, mm-hmm. but, you know, I'm thankful. You know, a lot of people say, well, we're glad you didn't shoot it. Well, I'm thankful I didn't have to myself because, yeah. I, you know, I took a stance that I was ready to shoot if had to to defend myself. But, it chose to take the other route and go north, and I was glad. Yeah, you you and, mentioned you know, hearing, you'd hearing mentioned and read, read stories of people who have uh, seen them and had a firearm. They say that they're they seem to shy away from people who have shot at them or around them. That the firearms do scare them off. I think they know what they are for sure. Exactly, I oh, do too. Yeah. yeah, I do too. For sure. I'm sure somewhere along our history line, somebody has probably shot one, oh, and another one has witnessed. I'm sure it. positively several people have shot them. Yeah, positively, I'm sure several have been shot over the years. So, I, you know, when people talk about encounters and they and they talk about that smell, I, that one, that one, I love that point because it just it just refines things a lot better. And yours, you said you had it's not coming out of your nose, oh, and you're yeah. gagging. So, you right. had a severe. Yeah, that, yeah, you were super close, obviously. Maybe closer than it's, you thought. Uh, much closer than what I thought is, is true. Yeah. You know, uh, having, you know, gone through the Indiana Police Academy and everything and going into the uh, repair barn and then being gassed with tear gas as, a, you know, you're part of your training, uh, you know, you're snot and teary-eyed until you walk out. That's just exactly what it was. It, you know, I had snot and I was gagging. And uh, so you would relate it to... The strongest tear gas. Oh well, it is. It was much stronger, I think, oh, because it. Wow. You know, it didn't. It, the smell was just wow. so overpowering; it stopped me in my tracks. Now, I've I've read people saying, "Well, I've never smelled anything," and then I've heard heard people say, "Your the lady in the swimming Sasquatch says smelled like a wet dog." Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, they just well, this was water. like a wet dog that I smelled. No, and. I- but there's other people who have had encounters that they didn't smell a thing. Mm-hmm. That so has a lot that, to do with, I think a lot that has to do with just wind direction. And I think these right. things can control, they have scent glands that they, I think they can control, honestly, like how, a, how like they smell. And how they, yeah. I, they're like a skunk, right? I think they can Thank let off you. the odor. I, would, I agree with you on that hundred percent that maybe this is a type of defense system. I truly yeah. believe it could be a defense system, you know, and, and if hearing you say, Todd, that, that you think they can control this scent, well, 
I would uh, say that just like a, a skunk, when it gets scared, it sprays. Mm-hmm. Okay, maybe I scared it enough that it decided to, you know, unload this scent. I think so. And if you have you ever, Dwayne, have you ever heard of the Miller documents? Uh, no, I have not. I think I posted those on the group page there. You did, yeah. Uh, if you get a chance, go go through it back and read that. It's real interesting. It's about a doctor back in the, I think it was the 20s or 30s or something like that. Dr. Miller was his name, and mm-hmm. he worked for the federal government and the wildlife industry. And after he died, they found these documents that he had left telling about his story of what he was doing all of his life. And, and he was basically assigned by the government to go whenever they found a dead Sasquatch and they were finding them in caves and whatnot, or they were, they were being killed due to forest fires and stuff like that. He would go examine and the bodies and classify these things. And he talks about how they had scent glands in their forearm. Some had scent glands in their forearm. Some had them in their underarm, depending on the location of where they were from in the United States. And that's interesting. And due to that, they could control the odor, you know, having the scent glands to to do that kind of thing and, and whatnot. So that's why I think that. <laughs> so I, I would have to agree with you on that aspect of that because of the the facts right there that you stated. Uh, being able to control it because, like I said, some people say, "Well, I don't smell anything." Well, if they smelled this, a I've never forgotten that smell. And uh, when we're out riding around in our general up here in the backwoods and everything, I'm constantly aware of what my surroundings. I bet you are. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, so down there. Check and, that sorry. document thing out. I'm sorry, Brian. Go ahead, though, Brian. I was just going to ask you about uh, any activity down there in Arizona where you're at. Well, I sent uh, Todd some pictures. I'm sure he'll share them with you. We uh, go out on the trail riding, and uh, there's been reports. The last one in this area close was Chandler, Arizona. All right. A gentleman was out hunting, supposedly had an encounter with one. And I'm thinking it had to be on the reservation because he told a friend of his who was a reservation officer. And the story goes, this officer tracked it for about three miles, but never saw it and would never found it. Now, up here in Sholo, the last sighting was 2006 and 2007. And that was on the southeast side of the county and also on the reservation now there's not a whole lot to that and another one that is kind of is really very interesting arizona department of transportation down by heber overgard which is north of us about 32 miles has on camera what looks like five of them standing in the snow along state road 260 Wow. I think I've seen that picture. Is it out there? It's out there. It is. It is. I have, I've looked at it. Now there is a ton of, of uh, elk up here. There are a ton of horses up here. There are a ton of deer up here. It did not look like any four legged creature. They were standing in what appeared to be a a semicircle. And there was five of them and they looked like black dots. I've seen it. Yeah, it's not a yeah. horse. No, yeah, you don't know no, what it is. They, by far, they're not horse, elk. Yeah, I'm gonna have to look that up. There's a there's a guy on YouTube. He's called Thinker Thunker. Plug for him, I guess. Uh, he he does all these debunking or not debunking of Bigfoot videos, and he did the one you were talking about 
earlier when we were talking about you saw the one with the the baby bigfoot the lady picks it up we we weren't talking exactly. about it before we recorded it but this video that this guy did was about bigfoot in yellowstone park and i don't know if you guys have seen this or not but it shows buffalo and there's snow on the ground and there's buffalo herding and and you know that the cameras that are in yellowstone picked up these figures coming from way back in the background and there's several of them and they're walking they're they're bipedal they're dark figures and people are like, well, that's just people, that's people. So what the, the guy did was, is he took the size, he sized it against the buffalo based on trajectory and he had, you know, how, figured out how to do that. These right. things were exactly. a foot and a half, two feet taller than the tallest part of the buffalo's shoulders. And buffaloes are big. They're huge. And buffalo <laughs> are approximately 10 foot at the shoulders yeah. to 12, 10 to 12 foot at shoulders. And he was also able to to pan how they walk, the distance they traveled and the amount of time they traveled, saying that no human could travel. The, basically, he was saying they traveled 100, 100 yards in like four seconds or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, it's an interesting video as well. Um, there's nobody that could run 100 yards in five, <laughs> four seconds. No. No. No, there's not. And, and when you, you read a lot of these stories that people have seen them, they say the amazing speed that they have yeah. both bipedal and on all four. Yeah. It's amazing, you know, how much ground they can cover. Yeah, um, especially going uphill. Exactly. Exactly. When they see him take off up a mountain, it's it's amazing. And you know, with being living outdoors all the time, I imagine you would acquire quite the athletic ability to be doing this all your life. And so, <laughs> but, you know, I've read where people, to. yeah, you know, people just said, well. It was there one second, the next second it was gone. Right. And and I don't know what they mean by that. Do they mean they blinked and it ran off or it just disappeared in front of their eyes? You know, that's that's another thing too. You know, uh, a lot of people I've think, heard both. They, yeah, yeah some people think they can uh, go into another dimension, that yeah. they open a portal, boom, and they're gone. Or they cloak. Or they cloak, exactly. I've, I've read where some have said they cloaked. I, I agree there. And that's just recently that I've read this. The one that, you know, did I ever see it? No. Did I smell it? Oh, yeah. And did it, the roar, I guess, the roar I will never forget. You know, it, it reverbed in my chest, just like something like beating a drum on you, you know? And so it's, it's amazing what these creatures can do to A, basically warn you to stay away. I feel that's what he was doing. Stay away. Mm -hmm. The smell, uh, Todd, you're very well, uh, could be right that they, you know, they're spraying this like a skunk would. And it's just amazing what these creatures do. Do you wish you would have actually seen it, Dwayne? No. <laughs> <laughs> I think I would have really probably crapped my pants at that time, and I would have probably shot at it. I would have shot. I'm I, sure I would have. The training that I've had in firearms, I was a retired fire instructor, I would have shot. I would have shot it too. Simply yeah. for the fact that if there's something like that roaming the woods near my family, I don't want yeah, it here. Exactly. So, but, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm just glad I didn't have to. I, I am. I'm very much so glad I didn't have to. I don't shoot something that I, uh, that's not, you know, A, I eat like a deer or a squirrel. Now, groundhogs or coyotes and stuff like that, that's different. But to actually have seen it, there's no doubt because the stance I had taken, I was ready to shoot. I had another round in the chamber and I was ready to shoot. But I'm just, it, like I said, the firearm uh, theory that they know 
and understand what they can and can't do to them, it turned around and decided to uh, get out of there itself. And I'm very glad it did. They probably thought, well, this guy can be as loud as I can. Maybe I should leave. <laughs> I, I was trying to scream at the top of my voice. With the gun, sure. I'm saying the gunshot probably scared it a little well, bit. Well, the gunshot, yeah. Brian, you don't, you're not a, Brian's not a, a shooter. He wouldn't want to shoot one, I don't think. But I think Brian thinks differently, right, Brian? Are you, I have guns. No, I'm saying you wouldn't shoot a Bigfoot if you saw one unless you felt threatened. No, unless it was uh, my life or his. You're anti, he's anti-kill, no, Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't think we should shoot him. Heck no. I don't either, unless, but. Obviously, unless it's life-threatening. I mean, I think. Life-threatening, yes. I don't, I don't believe in shooting him either. And, and right. uh, now you're reading about what state is it that's putting out a hunting license Louisiana. for him. Thank you. That's not right. Unfortunately, I think if if we're ever going to have a body and if we're ever going to prove it and if we can get it past the government or whatever agencies are trying to help keep this covered up, someone's going to have to kill one. Someone's going to kill one. Ah, And I think it's going to have, it's good. Someone's going to find one doing something and blow his damn head off because it's messing with their kids. Rednecks down in Louisiana are going to end up killing one. But I I agree. (laughs) I know there are guys that are out there that are hunting them. You know, I've watched a couple videos. Yeah, and they're down south. Gulf Coast. Bigfoot, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I believe it is the group. And, you know, the one guy goes out, he's totally camouflaged and he's setting in blinds and setting in tree stands. But you know what? I think they're smart enough to know if they're out being hunted. I oh, really sure. do. Absolutely. They know. Really We've do. talked about this before, Todd. They know the minute we step in the woods, they yep. know. You're five I miles agree. away from them. They know you're you're, you're at. Yeah. I agree. I, I believe they're smart enough I to think know they're that, that in tune with nature. I do too. Uh, they, they know like, just like we do, if, if you're out in the woods and, and a squirrel spooks or a, a bunch of birds spook, what spooked them? Something was there. It, yeah. Something, yeah, something there spooked them. <laughs> I, I really so just I, hope I, there's a guy sitting around that, you know, I think what's going to happen is there's some guy out there sitting around somewhere in the world who knows about one on his property. He's planning this thing. He's going to either trap it or kill it. He, he's going to trick this thing. He's laying out food for it. He's going to poison it. Something's going to happen or someone's going to, you know, Hey, I know there's one yeah. here. He's here. He's around. I'm going to, I'm going to get this guy or I'm going to, I think eventually at some point, again, it's That's all about here. the government or whatever agency. If there's one covering this up, stepping in I somehow, I don't know how they know. I've heard a lot of stories when, that of, of encounters where people have hit these things or, or whatever. My, and, uh, my theory is that they know about the areas that they're at. So they're, they keep track of those areas. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? They, they watch those areas. I'm not saying they can track the Bigfoot. I'm just saying they know the areas where they're supposed to be. So they watch and they are watching those areas. Like, um, did you watch, finish watching episode two of, uh, expedition Bigfoot Me season? Two, uh, I mean, yeah. Yeah. I think, I think I did. Um, maybe they not. had some black helicopters flying overhead when they oh, were back up in okay. the Olympic peninsula. Mm. So I think they're keeping track of those areas. They know those areas. I think well, any I area that's declared a classified as a wildlife refuge may be one of those areas, honestly. But yeah. who knows? Yeah. Now I've read stories where there has been uh, special ops go in to an area where they've had rogue big feet, Bigfoot. I'm sorry, huh. and then taken them out. Sure, I and believe that too. 
Yeah, and this I I forget where the area was. I'm believing that it has to be down south somewhere. But I I read stories where people were seeing these guys and coming out of their military trucks and going in the woods. And next thing you know, there's a helicopter flying over and they're getting back in their trucks. Hmm. Well, I, I honestly believe our government knows that they're out there just like yeah. everything else. Uh, Mount St. Helens, when interrupted, supposedly there was a half a dozen bodies recovered there by the government. And where were they taken? I heard that too. I heard that there was bodies yeah. found at that. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, your forestry service people, uh, logging people, you read stories of them seeing them all the time and having encounters. They're in the deep forest. And, uh, but I think when, you know, you forest fires and everything, unless they're absolutely trapped, I think they're smart enough to know which direction to go to get out of it. Absolutely. I do too. Yeah. yeah. Um, did you tell anybody about it, Dwayne, after it happened? No. I did. No. <laughs> uh, I, like I said, um, when we were headed up to my in-laws that same day, my wife asked me, I was being real quiet. I was asking myself, still, what the hell was going on? What was that? And she said, uh, you're being quiet. Are you okay? And I said, yeah, I'm fine. She said, well, you come home early. Uh, I said, yeah. Did you see any deer? No, too many hunters out. <laughs> I wasn't going to tell her, hey, well, I nice think I'm going Yeah. Well, being in law enforcement, and again, back in 1994, you're expected to have a level head. You don't expect to be right. talking about Bigfoot or UFOs. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you're guarding your community. Okay. Right. So, no, I didn't tell anybody. The first time I actually told the story was on Bigfoot Believers in 2017, I believe, or 18. And I pretty much so wrote the same story as I did just a uh, a few weeks back, mm -hmm. almost word verbatim. And, but I didn't get to notoriety that I did this last time with, you know, you gentlemen asking me to come on mm -hmm. a young lady down in Phoenix, Arizona, who wants to use my story in one of her uh, books called encounters. And I give her the okay to do that. Cool. And really? We need to, we need to get her name. Maybe we need to talk to and Kelly. A N N E Kelly. K-E-L-L-Y. Is she friends with you on Facebook or something? Is that how you contacted her? Uh, she contacted me through Facebook like you did. Uh, she had read my story. She came at me on a personal message saying she'd really like to use my story in her book of encounters. I guess this is her third book that mm -hmm. she's written. Wow. And uh, again, she's from the Phoenix area. So I'm sure, yeah. uh, I'm sure she would know the encounter in Chandler. And probably the A dot there in Heber Obergard. Okay. I give her the okay. There's another gentleman uh, who would like me to do a podcast. He's from British Columbia. Oh, okay. And uh, I told him, I said, look, I said, really, I got another one I want to do first. I've been asked by these two gentlemen from Indiana where I'm from. I said, let me get this one done. Let me see how that one goes. <laughs> and I said, I'll get back with you. No, that's fine, man. Get it. Get your word out there as much as you want to. Yeah, man. Yeah. yeah tell that story. I mean, there's, there's, <sighs> Dwayne, there are thousands of, of encounters out there. And, uh, you oh, know, I agree. And again, if you look up on YouTube, Steve Eisendahl, his last name is spelled I S D A A. Yeah, I just wrote it down. Okay. Huh? You got it, Brian. Okay. Yep. Go to YouTube, Google, uh, put in his name and he comes up. Now this guy is a true believer. And he's got the no-take-shit attitude. 
Uh, and if and he is out there to help people with these encounters. And, you know, he's getting hundreds and hundreds of emails a week. Okay. Is he? And, okay. to, watch his, and to watch his videos, uh, these are people that are tearing the, telling their encounters, just like the, we are here. And then he tries to reach out to him saying, you know, uh, thank you for sharing this. And I understand, you know, you're scared, but uh, go back in the woods and just, you know, make peace with them and say, hey, I know you're here. Uh, if I'm bothering you, I'm going to leave today. I'll come back another day. Now, he hunts British Columbia. He's a professional guide, and he also fishes, so he's he uh, guides and fishermen. So he's seen them. He's having his own encounters with them. Well, yeah, up there, that's a hot spot. What do you think? Oh, yeah. Maybe we can get him to come on the show and talk. If you could, that'd be great. Uh, I don't. That'd be awesome. Uh, <laughs> it might so be hard to though. do. It might be harder than might, we I was going to say, it might be hard to do. Uh, he has, like I said, he has his own video and set up. But he's he's the type of guy that, uh, like you too, he believes. And he's willing to listen to anybody who has had one of these encounters that would want to share it and also have the help to get around it and get over it and to be able to get back into the woods and enjoy it and not right. be scared. Mm -hmm. So many yeah. things out there, Dwayne, that people see, uh, there's something going on. It's not, oh. it's not made up. It's, it, it can't be not all these sightings and, 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 and encounters. There's no way, there's no way. So, and there's just too many reputable people that are seeing these. Absolutely. Right. You yourself. Exactly. Yeah. You can't say, Hey, I don't believe you. And I think the part of the reason why I didn't tell anybody is because, you know, you're going to get laughed at for one thing mm -hmm. and being ridiculed. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. That, that's what a lot of people are afraid of, being laughed at and ridiculed for something yeah. that they actually did see and encounter themselves, but have no idea just exactly what it was that they seen, heard, or, you know, whatever it could have been. Right. Whether it be a UFO, whether it be a... a you know, a dog man as they have around scene mm -hmm. or a big uh -huh. There you go. I See, hate I, dog and, men. And we know they scare that they're werewolves. You, yeah. I'll tell you, we, we, uh, we still get laughed at for doing this podcast. Yeah. Because people, I don't, they just don't want to know, you know. Yeah. I, I agree with you. I they believed in Bigfoot them. growing up and people, my friends would make fun of me and I stopped telling people that I talk, I, I would stop talking about it, but I'd still read about it dig into it be infatuated with oh, it yeah. Yeah. and the more the more the more settings i read the more people i hear talk on podcasts or, or or we interview with it's just there's something going on there's something out there there's no way there's not oh man exactly. you cannot tell was. you can't and to think that we're the only people on this planet that's or in uh, this universe or yes. yeah in the universe yeah in it's, this universe just we're the, not. i really do the think there's arrogance you know what i mean yeah i know i agree I really do think there's some dimensional spiritual thing going on with, with Bigfoot though. There's got to be some kind of tie and I just can't grasp how, but there's, there's, there's more to it than, than that. I agree with the dimensional thing. I don't know. I agree with that. Dwayne, I was I, looking at your pictures you sent me here. Um, those are really great. Yeah. Those are impressive. Great uh, pictures. I would get those out there. I don't care how close they are to a trail. Uh, Bigfoot doesn't care how close they are to a trail. Exactly. Um, those are pretty, pretty authentic looking pictures. So now if you look at them really close, the one tree that goes from the right to the left, it looks kind of burnt. 
there's a stump in front of there was something had I don't know if it got struck by lightning or somebody tried burning it, but there's a little bit of burnt ember in there. You can see. Yeah, I do see that. Yeah. Now that tree is bent over. Now that's probably about the same size as the tree I saw broke. Oh. And that's a pretty good sized tree. Right. Right. And uh, and yeah. and that aspect of it, do you think somebody could bend that over and hold it, and and at the same no. time weave the others in there? Why would the other sticks? Not a normal human. Why no. would they? <laughs> yeah. So there's another interesting thing here. You got some footprints going on too. Yeah, exactly. I love it. Yeah. And you know, you see my uh, lovely lady's foot right next to it, and look how, how big it is compared to her little foot. Mm -hmm. And uh, she's, she's got a boot. She's got a boot on too. Yeah, it's probably a size seven. I see toes. I I literally can count the first oh, yeah. three or four toes, yeah. and it's wide. And yeah, I I don't know. I'd say that thing's 14, 15 inches long, probably. Exactly. I, I would agree with that. Eight inches wide. So so here's it, 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 yeah, easy. Here, the thing about footprints, and I mentioned this before, is people say, "Oh well, you know, that's not real." Well, who walks around the woods barefoot? Especially in an area where you're in a uh, climate where you got cactus, right. rock, all sorts of snow. Sharp Who walks barefoot in the snow in the middle of the woods? Yeah. Where you go going to cut your foot. That's or, got a size know, 18 shoe. <laughs> I don't know of too many people who have that size. Well, Maybe I couldn't get a shoe would. today. I couldn't find any shoes my size, so I guess I got to walk barefoot. <laughs> but, yeah, I agree. Nobody walks around out in the, in that type of weather. And this is in September last year mm -hmm. here on the mountain. So the temperatures, it's a mild 60 probably. And uh, I, I'm guessing from looking at that footprint, it has to be at least maybe three or four days old. The edges are still sharp and crisp on it. There's not a lot of debris in the footprint that you yeah, see. That. Yep. It's pretty clear yet. So I'm thinking at least two, possibly three days at the most. And and can yeah. I note this? This is not soft ground this thing stepped on. I can exactly. tell that that ground, no, that ground is like sandy, concrete-looking dirt, yeah. like that hard, packed-down dirt, and it's still left Very an impression. So. Very much so. Now, the inside of it, when I looked at it, it's... Is grassy like something that you know it throwed a bunch of grass in there, and you could see where it had been, you know, pretty much so smashed down. Mm -hmm. And again, like I said, if you look at the entrance, it is facing directly towards a mud wallow where elk go in, you know, they wallow in the mud to keep the ticks, the fleas, and other flies and insects off of them. Well, that wallow is probably 10 foot deep. So once an elk got down in there, or a couple elk, and they didn't even know that the Bigfoot was close, he springs the trap. He goes in and he got him dinner. Okay. But I, I, like I said, I tracked it that to the like east, and it goes down into a valley. It's very hard ground. Uh, there's a lot of rock, and all you could see was just basically impressions and some stuff moved, like a, a twig snap and stuff like that. But that footprint is probably the best that I got. And that was right outside the shelter, not more than just maybe five or six feet. Dwayne, you were you had made a comment earlier about 
should I post these or not? You don't want people to to, to judge and say, oh, these are man-made, blah, blah, blah. But I noticed something in, the pic- in these pictures. I'm going to debunk this for the non-believers right now. You talked about that stump that's laying there in front of the, the thing. Yes. And it almost yes. looks like it's burnt up, like it's charred, like maybe someone exactly. was having a fire. So someone would say, oh, someone built a, a structure to sleep in. They had a little fire right there. They were burning a piece of a big chunk. There are no burn marks in that grass Ever, anywhere around that stump, there would be burn. That grass would be burned away, gone. Yeah, I agree. So this I thing agree. was brought from wherever it was burning. If it was burning on time, it was brought from that place and set down there. By that very well could be. I never, uh, never touched it, Todd. As far as trying to kick it over, if it or anything was, like that. yeah, if it was, if it was burnt, it does. I can't tell if it was burnt or it's just an old stump. But yeah, it was not on fire right there because there, there yeah. would be burn marks all around that ground. Period. So. And it, another thing about that, like I said, you know, the, the gentleman, the first gentleman I sent it to, I don't remember. He said, no, I said, the, the footprint, I can't see any toes. I can't see anything. <laughs> and I sent him the picture with it circled, just like you, I sent you guys. And he said, well, being that close to the main trail you were talking about, it was probably man-made by somebody that was hunting. Barefoot. barefoot no yeah, I, don't I, I, I don't i just i didn't go back i didn't argue with him there's no sense in trying to you know uh put your point out there if if he doesn't think it that's what it was then that's his opinion that's his prerogative right me right. i truly believe we found a structure and that footprint like you said who walks around barefooted in september on a mountain and leaves an <laughs> and, imprint in hard rock Dirt. And hard walk ground. Exactly. Yeah. Leave that kind of a print. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I, it's obvious. So people just, they, I don't know. I mean, I know. Yeah. they yeah, want to, they want, they want a physical body is what they want to do. Yeah. But I truly think that that stump, that little thing, whatever it was, that was brought there. And it's not small either. No, no, it's not. No, it's not. Uh, you know, next time we're out and about and we go that way, like I said, uh, we're out just about every weekend and sometimes during the week. And uh, I'll have to go down there and I'll have to uh, take and kick it around and see if it moves, if it's, it's solid, if it was there, if it had grown there, or if if it moves and it was, like you said, it was brought there. And But you bring up a very good point, Todd, that nothing else around it was burnt. Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. Again, so, I don't know if that stump was burnt at one time. It just dark. It's dark. I, yeah. I think it's just, yeah. I think it's it, it was burnt. I think it's yeah, it was burnt. You, you could tell looking closely at it. And also the one tree, the very large tree that was bent over, it was burnt. Now, we get a lot of lightning strikes up here that do cause forest fires. Mm-hmm. And people uh, up here are very aware of, you know, we have signs posted all over the place where today is a high-risk day for fire or a low-risk. And I just don't, I can't see anybody just going out there and just setting it on fire themselves. But we have a lot of strange people out there, though. <laughs> right. So, Dwayne, whenever you're out, guys, when you guys are out running around there in Arizona or even the Indiana thing, did you ever get the notion or do you get the notion that you're being watched ever or something's out there, no. you know, you don't get that? I, I can't say as I have. No, I've never, never had that feeling before. No. Okay. What do you think? What's your honest opinion? I mean, do you think these things um, been around as long as man has? Do you think they were before man? Do you think we are from then? Are they the missing link? What's your opinion on on Bigfoot period. I mean, I agree that they could be the missing link. Okay. That the evolution of their species 
may have stopped somewhere along their uh, evolutional line, and they just did not, how do I want to say, uh, go ahead and procreate like what humans did. Mm-hmm. They did not develop beyond what they are today. So I, I do believe that they have been around for many, many years. I mean, if when you go back looking, you're reading stories in the 1800s. And a lot of these stories are of, you know, your Indians who had made peace with some of them. You know, they traded food for different things that uh, the Sasquatch may leave, like a deer or what, whatever it might have been. But I truly believe that the Indians knew about them. They have their own names for them. Oh, yeah, for sure. And so, yeah, I do believe it's an evolution that maybe stopped somewhere along the line. And that was it. So I believe it was evolutional. You know, environment has a lot to do with evolution. And I've always said this. If these things are staying in the woods, in the deep forests of the world, they're not going to develop any differently. They're going to be what they are. I'm not saying that some of these came out of the woods and became humans. I'm just saying that, you know. Because their environment, you know, if, if, and now they're starting to, it's, it appears like they're starting to encroach out a little bit more into our world because there's a lot more sightings popping up all the time. And you're seeing them a lot closer to uh, city limits as far as, you know, people, oh, I just looked out my back door. What the heck was that I seen standing? Because, you know, uh, when you, when you look at our infrastructure these days, we are encroaching more and more on the woodlands all across the United States, building in the woods more so than we did years and years ago. So, yeah, it's just like with any animal that we're encroaching in on their world more so than what they are on ours. Yep. Brian, you said the same thing. We said this before. People are getting out in the woods more. They're camping because of COVID, getting out in the wilderness, and and they're running into these things. Camping's camping's huge Mm -hmm. in the last couple of years. And, you know, I, I enjoy the outdoors. I love it. I'd rather be outdoors and, and uh, hunting and riding around in our UTV watching the animals, and, uh, especially horses up here. They're just beautiful. Mm-hmm. And But uh, have I seen anything other than what I showed you on the structure and uh, the footprint? No, but I'm constantly looking. I would be too. Oh, yeah. I'd, be too. I'd have my constantly eyes and ears looking. open all the time. Absolutely. Yep. And nose. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. After after what yeah, you said, sure. I don't know if I want to smell that. I <laughs> no thanks. <laughs> it, I, I guarantee it. You know, the, some of the stories I read, people say it's stronger than an outhouse with dead skunks in it mm. and other garbage. Oh. And uh, but the 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 closest I can tell you the reason why is gang is like if you've ever been around a room that's been filled with ammonia that makes you gag snot. That is what was happening. Wow. They're just so foul that never smell. And I have not smelled anything like that since then. Did you ever feel nauseous from hearing the roars or the, or the growls? Not, no, not really. Not so much nauseous. It's just, you just felt it. And I was, that's when uh, this more of a scared factor started setting in, you know, I, at, at the beginning of it, I wasn't scared. I thought maybe it was, uh, you know, like I said, a deer possibly, then this shifted the thought to possibly bear. And having a 12-gauge slug gun, I knew that'll take down a bear with a proper shot. But after the roar, it's just like, 
Um, that's not a bear. That's not a deer. What Maybe the hell is it? Maybe you're saying, did I bring enough slugs for this thing? Yeah. No, I, I had enough slugs. I had a box in my back pocket and the, and the, the gun was full. Uh, but again, no. The warning shot that I fired into the ground was enough to scare it. And I'm glad because like you, Brian, I don't believe in shooting it just to kill it. Right. If, if you could trap one, tranquilize it, trap yeah. it. Take and it build alive. a strong cage. You're going to have to help have a damn it's strong have to, cage. Yeah, it's going to have to be a big one. Yeah. I'd rather see it done that way than after, you know, I, I don't want to see it cut up on or anything like that. Because I believe it's a a, a being. And, yeah. and I, I believe they've been around long as, as what we have, maybe longer. Right. I just, yeah. yeah. I just want to make yeah. a statement. I don't want someone to kill one to prove it, I don't but I think that's what's going to have to happen yeah. if we ever do. And that was my next question, Dwayne. Do you think we're ever going to know the re the truth? Or are we going to be told is Bigfoot going to be classified as a living, breathing creature um, in for of science? That one is hard to say. Having worked as long as I did for just a small town government and the kind of cover up that I seen in that. And then they think about what your federal government uh, has covered up over the years over with UFO sightings. And it, it's really taught. I can't say yes. There'll be a government entity come out and say, look, we do have 100% proof of Bigfoot. It's a Sasquatch. This is you know, what we have on it. it. It's really just hard to say if they will ever truly come forward. I think a lot of it is from what, you know, working as I have, it's the mass panic that they're afraid is going to cause. I Yeah. I, I thought that too. Panic. It's going to cause mass panic. It's going to cause, it's going to change history. It's uh, really going to screw with Very religion. much so. <laughs> Was that Brian? It's really going to screw with religion. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, I agree. Um, you know, I think, I wonder if, and I, I kind of partly wonder if they're just covered up just to protect these things. Because, you know, there's probably, probably. not a billion of them. I'm, I'm sure there's thousands of them, but maybe they just try to do it protect because people start going to go, but, they're going to kill these things because, oh my God, it's a monster running the forest. But why not, if they do know, and if that's what they're doing, why not come out and, and, and tell everybody and then you can protect them? That's true too. Yeah. You, yeah. That's why you make laws. <laughs> I, guess have, I don't think that's going to stop people, but no, you know, we have a lot of other still uh, poachers, but still, I mean, yeah, you're poachers. You're right. You're correct. I don't like a poacher either. No, I don't either. But it, it, you know, at the same time, when you stop and think about, look at the industries that it would affect, you know, your forestries, your, uh, mm -hmm. all of, all of your, oh, especially the wood, yeah, yeah, your, the parks, industry, yeah. Yeah, your parks, your big major parks, your camping. Yeah. Um, the sporting good industry, you know, they would lose, I'm sure, some profit on that due to the fact that people aren't going to buy the gear that needed to camp. So, but a lot of it, though, I really, truly believe in, like I said, having been in law enforcement for the time that I was, a mass part, a big part of it is the mass hysteria that I believe it would, you know, just like saying, hey, there actually are UFOs out there. Yes, we know they're here. Yes, we've had contact with them. But we're not going to tell you that because we don't know what you. to do with it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What would you do if we did tell? We you? can't tell you you're safe because we don't know if we are. That's true. Right. That's true. 
and look at the back engineering that has happened over the years since Roswell. So mm-hmm. it's there, but yeah. it, again, you have small-minded people out there that don't want to believe. Yeah, they don't want to believe, yeah, or they don't want to know. Yeah, they don't want to know. They want to live in their little little bitty bubble world. You know exactly. And- and they're fed what little grains and bits of rice that uh, the government tells them. Mm-hmm. You right. know? Exactly. And, and this is something about, that I like about Steve Eisdahl when you get onto his page. He does not listen to mainstream media. He does not believe in the government telling the truth on any of this, that he believes the people that are actually seeing these sightings and encounters and telling their sides of the story, just like I am today. Mm-hmm. Gentlemen, thank you. Have a great day. You take care. Yeah, okay. Appreciate it. Take care. Keep up the good work, guys. Thank you. Thank you so much. Well, man, that was a great show. I'm glad we brought Dwayne on for sure. Yeah, it was. That was a great story. Um, Loved um, every. Part I hope of we it. hear from him some more. Definitely, definitely. We'll we'll definitely have to get him back on and get get some more of his yeah. thoughts and, and feelings. I just wanted to say, Brian, and I think you feel the same way. You know, we're getting a lot of um, listens and and a lot of people on and. This is really awesome experience, and I'm having a great time. And I'm so grateful for the people who are listening out there. But uh, one yep. of the cool things about this is the friends we're making, and by the people we're meeting and, and hearing on these groups and talking to these people. Yeah, it is very cool. Yep, awesome and, uh, experience. I'm hoping that we get to uh, head down to the con later this year and maybe meet some of them in person. Definitely. That crypto. Awesome. There's a cryptozoology conference down in Lexington, Kentucky, uh, November twentieth. 21st we're going to try to make that yep. we'll we'll talk about more try. than that yep. so and if and you guys we'll, want to yeah we'll let them know the more we know if people want to be on the show brian how do they get a hold of us man um you can always email us at info at cryptocreatures.co that's dot co not com or on twitter at cryptid creature one no e on the end of creature and uh, Facebook is Cryptic Creatures. All right, man. So you guys reach out to us. Let's uh, get you on the show and get some recordings done. We appreciate you listening. Brian, you take care. And next time we'll uh, have another great episode. Heck yeah, man. Have a good one. All right. See you, bud.